This audio contains discussion and depiction of violence, sexual assault, and sexual abuse. If you or a loved one are looking for next steps to move towards healing and freedom after experiencing sexual assault or abuse, we recommend reaching out to a trained Christian professional who can assist you. If you'd like someone to pray with you, please connect with our partners at stonecroft.org forward slash pray. Hey, everybody. It is great to be back with you today in Every Woman's Story podcast. And I just want to remind you that you have a story that matters. And we believe that every person has a story that deserves to be unpacked and that together we can discover our story in God's story. So today we're going to be hearing a story that is going to be characteristic of our community, which is we don't shy away from the stories that are hard, the stories that are gritty, the stories that in some way we can relate to, but um, from our hardest days. So I just want to give you kind of some advanced notice that today's story is going to be around the topic of sexual assault. One in three of us as women has gone through an experience that maybe will be similar to our guest's story. But if this is not the day or the time for you to be entering into a story like that, we invite you to, to just pause and maybe hop over to one of our other stories that may be more what you need. However, if you are feeling like, you know what, I maybe want to hear from someone who's who's faced that too and has also found freedom on the other side, then I invite you to stay on and we'll be offering some resources for you at the end that could be your next step as well. So with that, I am thrilled to, first of all, welcome my co-host, Elisa Cortez-Bass. Hello, Elisa. Hello, Naomi. <laughs> And then also, I am thankful to be here with um, my uh, our guest today, who is Elizabeth Seltzer Rogers. She has got a lot of letters after her name because she did a lot of good things in school. She's an MDiv, an MA, a PhD. And more importantly, she is a passionate believer and follower of Jesus. She loves bringing his love to the secular world through mentoring, coaching, and modeling his unconditional love. And Liz... I'm excited to welcome you, but I've known you since like 2006. And so it's just so fun for me to have some time to hear more from you today. So welcome, Liz. Thank you. It's so great to be here. And thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to talking about this. Well, one of the things that we love hearing from our guests, Liz, is that we invite them to share a spark story. So something that just a moment that make you made you feel like you came alive and maybe like if you had to assign yourself a hashtag or if there's a Bible verse connected to that, um, just what is something that we would you would love for our listeners um, and our viewers to know about you? So when you asked about that, I, I was sitting there thinking one of my favorite stories that is a little unexpected is when I was younger and my husband was a big time um, executive in a very large um, corporation and we would go out to these big secular dinners where they were spending just, I don't even want to know how much money on these dinners. And, you know, they'd be talking business and everything. Well, he would always tell people that I had my MDiv, which kind of opened the door and that I was in ministry. And so everybody, it's so interesting how the, the conversation always went to people's faith. It's like people wanted to talk about it. They wanted someone safe to talk about it with. I was at this business place and it's like, you know, they didn't, 
they, a lot of them would say, I didn't want to be judged, but I really want to ask these questions. And I don't understand this about this, or I, I'm trying to forgive someone, or I'm trying to understand this. And we would have these really wonderful conversations. And I, and it reminds me of that verse in Mark that talks about how Jesus says, Hey, you know, I came here to help the sinners and it's really important. And it's not, you know, we're all sinners, let's face it. Right. But it was, it's, I have found that to be kind of my life. One of my life threads is working in the secular world. It's not that I didn't do full-time ministry for quite a long time, but now I'm actually in the secular world and use that position to kind of move forward. And so my hashtag that I thought of is, and actually it's something that I did for Stonecroft earlier is uh, God has no plan B. Hashtag God has no plan B. And God, you know, hashtag God plan is you. And I just think it's it's important to go, you know, wherever you are, it doesn't have to be in a church setting or a religious setting or anything like that. You can share his love in a very real way. Oh, I, you know, Liz, I love that. When um, I always get like the look in the airport, that tends to be the place where somebody's like, so what do you do? And there's that moment where you're like, um, what do I tell them? And just curious, like for you, we, we might have some listeners that are like, hey, I, I love to share that, but I always feel like you know, like, oh no, you know, are people going to get weird on me? Like, is there a word of encouragement or something you'd say? Like, you know, it's okay. It might get weird. Like what if in the plan A, like, <laughs> I love it. is the plan A going to be so weird that I'm like, I'm never telling people what I do ever again. I think key to it is God presents those opportunities to mm-hmm. us. And I heard at one point somebody say, you know, when you have that nudge, it's his, and so if you feel like it, then God is ready for you to say, I mean, there's certain, I'm not going to sit down and everybody I'm on an airplane with, I'm not going to go, guess who I know? And it's Jesus. But <laughs> when you start having this, this conversation, you start, you know, and, and when I start talking about, I, I put in things like, yeah, you know, when I went on this to, to church or I did this, it, it, it opens the door and you watch their face and, and you can see, but I will tell you, people are way more receptive to it than you would think. And just like I said, in these business dinners, just knowing that I did that, people were like, oh, and as long as you don't go in on this judgmental thing, I think it's it's all about sharing. Sharing his love is such a beautiful thing. And if you can share your own story of how he's loved you, I think that's the thing. It's not like you need this. It's, oh my gosh, I couldn't have gotten through this without my faith. Like, I don't know if I didn't have Jesus, I, I would be a pile on the floor. People can get that. And I think yeah. that's, that's really the hook as far as just where God can really speak to their hearts. That actually kind of takes us to your story that you wrote for the Every Woman's Story community. If I didn't have Jesus, I would be a pile on the floor. So your story, which is called the freedom of forgiveness, um, and that roots into the story of Dinah in the Bible, um, really comes from a unique perspective, a perspective that some women would share with you, but it's a story that you uniquely lived. And I'd really love to hear, Liz, how, as you looked at Dinah, and you were asked to kind of think about her, and you thought about the circumstances that were not a plan B, that God still used in your life, that you would never have wanted them. Um, the circumstance of being uh, sexually assaulted. How did the scriptures and her story and your story, what did, what did you discover as you kind of leaned in and said, the Bible could actually help me know more about who I am and what I have, uh, you know, for, for living in spite of, in spite of 
something that many would consider unforgivable. Yeah, I think one of the things that I thought about Dinah when I first read it is they don't talk about how she responded. They don't talk about how she was cared for. They don't talk about any of that. They talk about the revenge. They talk about how people were angry all around them and, you know, went and took care of business, but did they, you know, and I, I always wondered, you know, what was she thinking? Was her heart breaking because all these people just died because of something that happened to her? You know, was she, was she so hurt and broken from that experience like that she couldn't even think straight? I mean, I, that's what stuck out to me in that story. And I, I think about my own story and just the people who weren't helpful, um, including my father, which was a really hard thing. He, he would not talk to me about it. He just was mad. And that was it. And we never had a conversation about it. And I needed a male in my life so badly um, that I could trust. And uh, actually, you know, I, I, I do have some males and that's again, part of my story. I, I don't um, I don't know when we want to talk about that, but the, the men who have been, who have walked beside me and shown me that I don't have to be afraid of men, that, that I can actually have good relationships and I don't have to be, they're not all evil and all of those things. You know, I needed that and I didn't get it from my family. I did get it from my mother, don't get me wrong, but I did not get it from the men in my life and and I needed that. So I think that's one of the things that kind of bubbled up on that one. Yeah. And maybe we'll recap for some of our viewers who are like, wait, which Dinah? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's always like the which Tamar, you know, that's the thing for me. <laughs> this one or that one. Um, but uh yeah, do you mind just kind of recapping the story? And then I would love to hear more about the unique power of males in your life because yeah every woman's story you know woman right that's what we're kind of mostly about here but the unique role that males have played in your journey toward um toward freedom so yeah, yeah. So, maybe yeah, could you yeah, recap the situation? i'm sorry we're talking no about go that. ahead i was gonna say can you recap for us well this it's it's pretty i mean in in my memory it's i don't have the story memorized but it's it's as i was looking at it it is just the story of a young girl who was uh, it, uh, a neighboring tribe was looking at her and saying, "Ooh, I think she's beautiful. And he ends up raping her. And then her brothers and father, they're all very angry and they go out and slaughter the whole crew that was even associated with the person who raped her. And it's um, that's, that's that story. And it's, you know, unfortunately there's, there's a lot of examples of women who have been attacked and it happens, it's happened all through history and all through time. But as I, as I think about the people who have been there and it's part of the, you know, when I think about um, just how I came to faith. So it happened in ninth grade. That's when my faith became alive to me. And it was, I was going down a really bad path. Um, I was, my father had left us, taken all the money he, we had, left us alone trying to fend for ourselves. And um, I remember being really angry and I was starting to do drugs and I was starting, and I mean, I was young, right? And I remember one of my friends said, you should come to this youth group with us. And I was like, oh, geez, I don't want to be judged. I'm not there. Even though I, I had a mother of great faith and she was a great example, but I just wasn't there. I was feeling really awful. And I remember going to that youth group meeting and he, this man, Jim Nightingale, looked at me from across the room 
And he was like beckoning over. And I'm like, oh, geez, you know. And so Christy and I walked up to him and he he came up. He's, you know, if you look at him, he was this big kind of overweight guy, not beautiful by the world standards, but I would say one of the most beautiful humans I've ever met. And he just started talking to me and asking me questions. And I remember um, when he left, he goes, you know, I look forward to hearing how you do in your swim meet and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And then I went back. And the second time I remember walking in the door and he remembered my name. And to feel like I was nothing and to have this person remember my name, it was just incredible. And so, of course, I'm like, I'm staying here. This guy is amazing. And then I became, that's when I really knew um, who Christ was. He showed that to me. And that's when I accepted Christ fully for myself. And then I will tell you that after this rape happened, um, he was the one man I went to. My mom took me, made an appointment and took me there. And I remember even thinking that that night after it happened, like, I can't get through this. I can't get through this. And um, I went to see Jim Nightingale. And I remember he had the newspaper open on his desk because it was, I mean, it was a pretty violent crime and it was reported in the paper, a big article. And um, he looked up and he goes, this is you, wasn't it? And I went, oh my gosh. And I remember he just, he just loved on me for the next, I don't know how many years, just in such an appropriate and wonderful way, just telling me that I was worthy and that I was loved and I was, I could do things and that this didn't have to define me. I am so sorry, I don't know why. It's okay. I, Liz, I'm crying with you. So um, when I think about that and I think about how, you know, after the time when you came home one night and discovered a stranger in your home um, who, uh, who raped you at knife point um, and how what you needed as you wrote your story and as I've been privileged to hear your story through your life as well was you needed someone who could see you and who could remember your name mm -hmm. and who could be an expression of God's love for you and when you looked at the story of Dinah what you saw was that there were a whole lot of people who were doing things <laughs> exactly. let's go defend her honor doing doing but doing. not helping yeah yeah so what actually helped? I mean, Jim helped. Jim Nightingale Jim helped, Jim helped yeah. because he was a, a male role model that was really important for me to have. My mother helped. Uh, she sat and prayed with me a lot. She didn't try to fix things. She just tried. She just, you know, again, was great, prayed with me, talked me through it. Um, and then I will tell you, it's interesting. So my, my life bursts the one that I always cling to is about God's peace. And um, that was the verse that was in my devotional for that night, um, right after this happened. And I remember reading that and I just felt this, I mean, it was literally physical. It was a physical blanket. I felt 
I, my heart was just raging and in flames and I felt like this blanket just came down and said, you're okay. I'm here with you. I am here with you. And I had this peace that I cannot believe. I literally went to school two days later. Um, they didn't publish my name. They just said it was a 17-year-old girl. And they said my street name, which was terrible. And they, um, and I remember going to school with this amazing piece. And everybody was like, oh, man, did you care what happened to that girl? And I was like, I didn't want people to know. And I was like, oh, I feel so sorry for her, you know? But I had this amazing piece. I was able to function differently than if I didn't have Christ. Like, I, I don't know... I don't know how anybody does it without, I don't, because that piece is, is beyond the world's understanding and it's something that is so different. And I have called on that piece through other really difficult things that have happened. Um, I don't know what I do without it. I'm wondering if we, um, you might wanna share with us what that verse is. But for those of us who have not memorized the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, still working on it. <laughs> Yes, that verse is from John uh, 14, 27, and it says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. And that's the peace that I love. I do not give it to you as the world gives. It's not worldly. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Liz, before we move into the Lectio, just um, I have one more question for you, if this is okay. Um, I love that your story um, talks so much about your journey of forgiveness and how you were able to lay that down. But as you talked about Dinah and just the, the aftermath of reporting what happened to her and sharing what happened to her and what she must have been processing, you know, I'm just curious if you have a word of encouragement for many survivors Um of any kind of sexual violence where they are having a hard time forgiving themselves or receiving forgiveness for themselves. Would you have a word of encouragement for any of our listeners who either find themselves in that place or may find themselves sitting next to somebody um, who might be in that place? Who cannot forgive themselves? Um, and I would add also their perpetrator. Yeah. 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 So, um, the so forgiving myself was actually as I I told people it it's a little it was a little bit easier in the rape at knife point because it was so out of my control like I I wasn't walking on a you know there's all this victim shaming that goes on which is horrible so I was in a little bit of a unique situation there but I do know women that I've talked with that they're like, well, I shouldn't have done this, or this is my fault, or I, you know, I, I let it happen. Like, oh my gosh, please don't. You know what? You have a heavenly father that loves you so dearly. And when those things were happening to you, he was weeping and he cares so deeply for you. And he does not want that shame on you. He does not. And I, I would just encourage people to find people who are encouraging about that. I mean, Naomi and I have had that, have had a great relationship talking through these things. Um, Elisa Morgan with Mops, she was another one that was really helpful. Find somebody who understands that 
God loves you and that forgiving, if, if forgiving yourself is a piece that you need to do, then do it because it's so freeing. And that's really the part of the story that um, that I wrote was about the forgiveness of the perpetrator too, was another big piece of that. Yeah, I think I would say how on earth, maybe that's the wrong say, you know, on earth, maybe you, there was no how. Yeah. But how, how did that happen? How did the forgiveness happen? Mm -hmm. um, so am I going to read the story or am I just talking about it? Well, I think we're going to just point people to every woman's story okay. Um, okay. and they're going to find it there. Okay. Cause I, I just for everybody. make sure. So <laughs> basically what happened was, you know, we, so we, we go, my mom and I are praying a lot. I'm trying to heal. I'm grabbing onto God's peace as hard and fast as I can. We're moving through my senior year in high school. It's really tough. I get to college and um, they finally, they actually located the man who raped me and he even still had the knife on him. So they bring all that stuff back to me in pictures and I have to look at it and it's like, oh, this is so hard. And so I remember my, I, we're getting ready for the trial and it's coming up. And I remember my grandma, who is the best prayer ever, she was praying. She goes, I pray you don't have to go to trial. And I'm like, uh, but I don't want him to do this again to somebody else, right? And I'm like, I, I'm, I, I got to do this. I just felt like I really had to do this. And it was the coolest thing because he, um, right before I was supposed to go into the first motions hearing, he confessed to the full friend. And he wrote us a letter later that said, I don't expect you to forgive me because what he did was very brutal and I still have physical scars from it. He said, I don't expect you to forgive me, um, but I want you to know that the reason I pled guilty was because I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. And he said, I, you know, I know you can't forgive me, but I just wanted you to know why I did that. I didn't plea bargain. I actually confessed to the full time. And that's go grandma, man. She was <laughs> prayer. I just was like, Indeed. I love that how God figures stuff out in a way that's more incredible than you could even imagine. Right. So anyway, and that was the day we got that letter and my mom and I looked at it and, she, and I said, you know, we got to forgive him. She goes, we got to forgive him. And we knelt down that minute together and prayed for his forgiveness and yeah. that got me past the place of my life is a victim like I that's where I finally started becoming free that no I'm not Liz the rape victim I'm Liz who does all these other things and I have all these cool opportunities and things I'm going to do with my life and it's interesting this the second one of the things I always wondered about was how my mom could forgive because it's different when something's happened to you. And then how could she forget? Like that was huge to me. And I remember thinking how huge it was. And then the second part of the story is, is that, you know, with my daughter, we found out that she had been molested by a, a family member um, for a year when she was very young, seven years old. And I was so angry, so angry about that. And, you know, she and I, we walked together 
with Christ for a long time. And I remember, again, it was almost 30 years exactly from when my mother and I forgave my rapist to when my daughter and I sat and prayed and forgave, for, prayed forgiveness over the person who had hurt her. And again, that was so freeing for her. She has been able to move forward. She's actually pursuing um, being a, a sex trafficking counselor because of her freedom. She couldn't have done that before, um, but she she can now. And so um, it, it's, I guess the message is forgiveness is such a freeing thing. And God, don't think you have to do it on your own because it's too big. But God can help you do it. And it's not, remember, forgiveness is not saying it's okay that it happened. You're just saying, I'm not going to be bound up by it anymore. And I'm going to let it go. So Liz, you and I knew each other at the time when you discovered your daughter's um, having been violated, your daughter having been violated. And um, so I would wonder what you'd say to the woman who, even as we're talking, I'm going back to those, that discovery. Um what would you say to the woman who right now is not at the place where you are? She is even uh, either still frozen in time in some way or another at the place of that violation, or it has been recent or someone she knows it has been a recent discovery, a appalling discovery. What would you say to her? Where would you recommend she find help? You found help from, you know, your high school youth group, and your mom, where would you point her? So I would point her, I, I would point her to Christian counseling if she can't get through it. I would not go to secular counseling. It's not that those aren't really brilliant folks, but the Christian counselors were the ones that, and that's what helped my daughter because that counselor prayed with her. That counselor helped her pull Bible verses that soothed her soul. That counselor just understood that there are certain things that this world can't fix and God can. And so I would say definitely that is an option going, you know, if you have ministers at your church that if you, if you go to church, definitely try that. Um, if you know anyone read, get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, get one. I, I can't tell you how beautiful go into the Psalms or, um, go into Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Those are all lovely books that are just soothing and kind and so good for you and, and remind you how much God loves you. And um, I think those, that's that's what I would say um, is, but I do encourage people to get, get counseling if you are really stuck, but find one that believes in God, because that's that's where you're going to get that. It's supernatural and not in the way the world uses that word. It is supernatural help. It is it is something that the world doesn't understand. And God is so powerful. He is bigger than any of the hurts and any of the pain. And it's it, the pain. I mean, it's it's big. And I get it, you guys. I get it because I've been through it. I've been through it in both places. And it's huge. But God has gotten me through it. Liz, thank you. Thank you. Ma'am, I didn't want to cut you off. Is there anything you want to add? No, I would add that. Thank you both for your own vulnerable, truthful,
gospel story and also for pointing to the um, magnitude oh. of the healing that God can do. Um, thank you. Friends, we're going to have some additional resources listed at the end of this podcast. And so if you are looking for additional support or even just um, you may not have a Mr. Nightingale in your space, but boy, would we love to pray with you and to journey with you in that. And so we have um, women who are available to pray with you and we'll be posting that link as well. Um, but if you've been journeying with us for a while, um, we like to settle ourselves and take um, the hopefulness and even the hard into our stories of today. And so we close with a practice of uh, Lectio Divina. We're gonna read a scripture together and we're gonna hear it uh, three different times from three different voices. And um, we just want to leave this as a gift for you um, as you take Liz's story and the heart and the hope into your day. And so if you would just settle yourself with me, I'm reading John 14, 27, Liz's verse um, out of the New Living Translation. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And I'll read it from the NIV. Um, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then one final reading before we close from John 14, 27, the NLT. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart and the peace i give is a gift the world cannot give so don't be troubled or afraid well i almost feel like we should say amen 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 so friends we have been walking together with liz and with elisa and me and digging into the deep, the, the painful, the hard, and then this insane hope and healing and forgiveness that God can offer us through, yes, his word, and yes, through prayer, and yes, through humans, <laughs> humans who are part of our healing journey. So um, before we close, I just want to um, offer you a, a place that you can go if, if until you get to that Christian counselor or, you know, someone through your local church, often there's sliding scale, meaning affordable ways to seek counseling through your local church. Before you get there, um, if you just need to pray with someone today, we invite you to go to stonecroft.org forward slash pray. There will be a way that you can share your, your prayer requests, real live people. Um, Elisa and I are among them. We're part of a, a community that will pray with you. And then also, if you want someone to contact you and pray with you more personally, they'll be glad to do that as well. So Liz, thank you for being with us today, for sharing a story that I know a lot of people in some way or another can relate to, and then pointing us to a way through that story into the best story that God has for us. So with that, um, we believe your story matters, just like Liz's story matters, and it has impacted each of us for good today. And each of us has a seat at Jesus's table. So we just want to invite you to keep, keep circling around and uh, enjoy the community 
very honest and yet hopeful community at Every Woman's Story. Thank you for joining us. Liz, Elisa, it is always great to be with you. And uh, sister, um, God's peace for you today. Bye-bye.